good to see you. Hope you're having a good day so far. I know I am still loving that new song team, by the way. Hope you're enjoying that too. Um, so a couple of really quick things before we get started today. You know, or you, you may know that there was an announcement on Friday about possible changes to, um, to gatherings, particularly, well, in churches as well. Um, and we, we think, and we need to clarify it still this week, that there is a chance that next Sunday we will be back to one service. Who's excited about that? Now, if I am wrong, be prepared. No hugging. I'm sorry, Janelle. That's banned for life. No. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. Um, if I'm wrong, we will have to continue as we are. However, uh, I'm just waiting for Queensland Health to clarify some things. I did call them on Friday. They, they, they couldn't help me like we needed, but we are hopeful. One service next Sunday, we will be able to uh, use two square metres, which means we can do 250 people in here, and I'm super excited about that. No more registering online. Whew, that would be good, wouldn't it? Anyway, praise God that things are going well. He's answering our prayers, and uh, we're moving ahead as a, as a whole country, basically, with this. So we thank the Lord for that. The other thing is, um, just to let you know what's happening with Christmas, we won't have our traditional Christmas carols this year because of what's been happening. We, we, maybe we could do a last-minute organisation, but we're not going to do that. Instead, uh, our Christmas Day service it will, be, will be more special than usual. It's always special, but more special than usual. And again, depending on what's happening with uh, Queensland Health, we think it'll probably be two services, one on Christmas Eve and one on Christmas Day. And you will probably have to register for that one. And so that, that, that's going to be a great service, and, and you won't want to miss it. The team's working hard on that one. All right, we are in a three-week series called Renovate, and we're looking into the words of Romans 12 about how transformation begins with changing the way we think, the renewing of our mind. And here's what Paul said, just to remind you, in uh, verse 2 of chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And who doesn't want to know God's will for us? Because it's good and pleasing and perfect. Transformed into the new person that is more like Christ. You know, it, it doesn't just happen by chance. It's not just hoping it will. We don't just close our eyes really tight, you know, then maybe sneak one open and think, are we there yet? Have we transformed? That's not how it happens. It's a lifelong process. We call it sanctification. There's other fancy names to it as well. But there's a battle that we wage in our minds that is essential for this, for, to, to allow God to do this transformation in us. You know, in other words, we have to do renovations up here. You know, we've got to change the unhealthy thinking. Paul says, behaviors and customs of the world. Our unhealthy thinking about life, about God, about ourselves. We've got to renovate those old unhealthy ways and allow that transformation to, to be full in us, that, that God so desires for us. So last week we looked at how it's first and foremost, it's up to us to start this, this action. Yes, the Holy Spirit is there helping us. He's like the muscles in this process. Um, but we actually have to make that choice to say, well, we need to be thinking properly and, and be not believing the lies of the devil, but believing the, the truth in the scriptures. 
We also looked at how the, the mind in its, uh, you know, because we are, we are born sinners, and so the, the natural human state is to drift towards worldly thinking and not godly thinking. And that's why we have to take that action. You know, we, it's, we've got to do that. It's up to us. And as I said, there's a promise from, from God that his spirit will, will be in there to, to bring the power that we need. And we looked at how we need to change what we feed our minds with. And this is a big one, I, I think, for us. You know, what truth are we filling our minds with? Or on, or on the other hand, what garbage are we filling our our minds with, you know, remember the old saying, garbage in, garbage out, and, and we can see it in, people can see it in us when we're filling our minds with the wrong things. We can choose what our minds dwell on because there's a consequence from that, and it's good or it's negative. Renovating takes hard work, it takes discipline, you know, it's like in your own home, if you let your yard go, and then one day you decide, I better renovate this thing or, or get on top of it. It's a lot of hard work. But if you're working on it every week, oh, you know, every so often, <laughs> just thinking of better practice what I preach here. I did mow the lawn yesterday and I must admit it was hard work. So, but the more you do it, you know, the, the easier it is to keep those renovations going and you can, you can work on those areas that, that need work. But if you let it go, you know it's a lot of hard work. The rewards of renovating are massive. And last week we applied that principle around the area of false guilt and in particular guilt over things that God has already forgiven you for. And I know for some here that there was breakthrough. You know, and there was, there was freedom for some of you. I praise God for that. Because that's where God wants us to be. You know, free, of that, free of that false guilt, free of that guilt. Well, today I want to look at another area of our, of our minds, another room. Perhaps we can think of our mind as lots of small rooms that we need to renovate. And I want to talk about anxiety today because the Bible does. And here's the thing about anxiety. I was reading this week that we are all genetically predisposed to handle uh, stress and, and difficulty in our life differently. Okay? We're not all the same in this area. Some of us are very good at handling stress. You know, these are the people in life who, they kind of don't mind taking risks. You know, they're the kind of guys that'll ride the mountain bike down the mountain flat strap. And uh, they're happy with that. And, you know, they're the guys that perhaps, oh, sorry, when I say guys, I mean gender neutrally, okay? The guys <laughs> and girls who, um, you know, perhaps they, they, they'll take a risk in business. You know, they're going to invest. They're going to go big. And, and they, can, they can do that because we're wired differently. And when things come along that perhaps would make us worried or anxious, they, they tend to be able to process that a lot better and sometimes they, they brush it off easily. You, you all know the people I'm talking about. Uh, we can identify uh, those people, I think, sometimes. But for those on the other end of the scale, they tend to respond to stress and anxiety by withdrawing, you know, there's a lot of worry that goes into life. It sits deeply with them, and, and, and it can be difficult. And we're, we're kind of, we're all on that spectrum in different, different ways and how we, we handle these things today. I just want to say, be careful to judge others who handle stress differently to you. You know, those who, who struggle with anxiety more than you, we've got to be careful not to judge them, because... Our genetics are different, 
Our upbringing is different, and people handle stress differently. And what anxious people need from, from others is not judgment, but, but a friend. And we do have to acknowledge, though, we have to acknowledge this, that anxiety and worry can have a negative impact on us, can't it? And it can have an impact on those around us as well. You know, I personally found when I'm feeling anxious, I just took a moment to reflect on this, and what's my response? I tend to be in a hurry. I, I, I tend to be always thinking on, on that, that one track and kind of shut things out and sometimes people out around me a little bit. And the downside of being in a hurry when I'm coping in this particular way is that my family kind of misses out on my attention a little bit. And, and you know, if we're at the dinner table and there's something on my mind that's stressful, uh, on reflection I realise I'm probably hurrying towards what I can do to fix that solution. You know, I'm a, I'm a fixer. And I've just got to get there and get that fixed so that I can be done with it. And people around me miss out and my family misses out and maybe sometimes you guys miss out as well. But probably the most negative impact about anxiety is that it does have a tendency to lead us to withdraw, doesn't it? You know, withdrawing leads to isolation and loneliness, and it can also tend to lead to even more anxiety when, because we're so used to withdrawing that when we have to actually f- face more people, it, it becomes even more anxious. You know, it's, it's a self-perpetuating challenge sometimes. But we, we do tend to worry a lot. Is it just me? That's good. (laughs) I'm reminded of the old Eagles song, I used to hurry a lot, I used to worry a lot. Does anyone know that song? Yeah, just those of us over the age of 45. (laughs) We worry about our health, we worry about our kids, we worry about our finances, we worry about retirement, we worry about our superannuation, is it going to be enough? We worry about our study and our grades, we worry about our jobs, we worry if we'll get a job. We worry about our spouse. We worry, will I get a spouse? We worry if people will like me. We worry if the boss will like me. Will I be good enough? We worry about the conflict that we might be having with somebody. We worry about, will the right political party win? And on and on. And you know, just me saying those things right now, talk about renewing of the mind, you're prob- I might have got you thinking of something and got you worried as we sit here right now. Yes, that is a worry in my life. I just want to just say stop for a second. Just take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. Apparently, the word anxiety in Latin is linked to the word suffocate. It feels like sometimes we can't breathe very well. And you might be thinking, well, how is this linked to renovating the mind? Well, I I want you to know today that God actually doesn't want us to be anxious. He actually wants you to find a, a peace that only comes from Him. And to find that peace, the Bible shows us a way, you know, that we can we can renovate our mind out of anxiety and towards his peace. Peace of mind, I just, I'm going to say it to you, church, is God's desire for you. Peace of mind is God's desire for you. Just watch this. This is what Jesus himself said in John 40. And I am leaving you with a gift. 
It's peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world can't give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. But we go looking in the world for peace, don't we? I don't mean world peace. I mean we go looking for something that will bring us contentment and and satisfy us, a kind of peace that only God can give, that we look for it in stuff and we look for it in certain entertainment and, and relationships and all that sort of stuff that Jesus is the one that can give us peace of mind and heart. And I wonder today if it's your reality. Do you have peace of mind and heart? Like if you can honestly ask yourself that question. Just, let's just take a second. What's my peace of mind and heart look like? I'm going to add the same caveat as last week. There are times that we need professional help. Okay, and I just want to stress that to you this morning. You know, our mind, our brain is, is, is an organ of the body that sometimes gets unhealthy. Chemicals move in the wrong direction or they're out of balance. The wiring kind of sometimes gets a little bit mixed up, doesn't it? And we need professionals to help us in those times. I am talking in general and, and from the Bible for all of us here. It is for people who are struggling as well, but I'm saying that sometimes we need professional help. In the same way that if you said to me you had a heart problem, I'd say, you better go see a doctor. I would say the same thing if you were struggling up here with some kind of mental health issue. And it's nothing we should ever be ashamed of. And I would encourage you to do that. That's why we have a counselling service here in, in this church. So what can we do? What are the practical renovation steps this week? Well, we're turning to Paul again. This time we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. And it's a very famous passage once again. You know it, but I want us to dwell on it because I think God's got something to say into your heart and minds today. And keep in mind, by the way, Paul writes this from jail, which always amazes me. Here's what he said. Reading from the NIV today, which I know shocks you a little bit, but I just I like the way the NIV translated this. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is, this is an amazing verse for us, right? For the world, for us followers of Christ. There is so much promise in here. I want you to take it on board today, and I want you to apply it. Today, in this passage, I see five ways we can renovate our minds towards peace. Number one is this, we renovate with worship. You saw it in verse four. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, and in case you didn't hear him right the first time, he says it again. He repeats himself, rejoice. You know, joy. (laughs) We have to worship God. Worship is a vital step in renovating our minds out of worry and into peace. Worship and worry, I have found they don't seem to go together. Has anyone else experienced this? They're not very compatible. 
number of times. I've been feeling maybe a little bit stressed through the week, and I, and I might... Firstly, the prayer meeting is very helpful. We'll get that in a second. But I might hear the worship team start up on a Wednesday night or get here on a Sunday. We're at, we'll be outside setting up. We all start singing under our breath out there. Something changes. Worship reminds me of how great our God is. We sang that this morning. Thank you, Amanda. It reminds me of what he has done for me, of how loved I am, of the promises he has laid out for us, of the hope we live by. You know, church... Christianity is a singing faith. Embrace it. It always has been and it always will be. God gifted music to us because he knew it would stir our soul. It's okay for it to stir our emotions, you know, because we feel connected often through emotions, don't we? Not just here, but here. God gifted music to us. And a heart connected to God moves us to love him more and to desire to obey him more. So worship God with all that you can, as often as you can. And this is why in a couple of weeks' time, I think it's, uh, tw- uh, it's the last Sunday in November, I think it's the 29th, we're going to have another worship Sunday. Do you remember the one we did a few months back? You told me. I heard you. Can we do more of them, please? And so we'll have, you know, less of me <laughs> and... Um, just more time in the presence of God, singing and worshipping and, and opening scriptures and praying. We might have a testimony or two. It's, it's going to be great. And hopefully we'll all be together in one service on that day. It's going to be awesome. This is why being in church each Sunday is important if we want to renovate our minds. Worship and worry, they just don't seem to go together. And if you don't really enjoy the modern style, I, I understand, but just focus on those words, close your eyes, and just worship God, and then on the way home, you can turn up Bill Gaither in your car as loud as you want, and the, the, the neighbours will be witnessed to <laughs> as you leave, or get home. You know, when you're at home and you're stressed or anxious, go for a walk, put the headphones in, put your favourite album on, if we call them albums still. You know, plug your phone into your hi-fi and let it be loud in your house at the level you like and just worship. You know, play the praise songs because it actually helps us with our worry and our anxiety and we love God more through it. And it saddens me when I see Christians and quite frankly, sometimes whole churches that don't seem to have the joy of the Lord. When you walk into church, rejoicing should be part of the atmosphere. You know, we... We sense a joy here. I rejoice. And I say it again. Rejoice. You know, if it's not you, change the way you think. Worship and worry don't mix. Number two is renovate with, with gentleness. And that was in verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to who? Oh, all. Not just the ones you like. Not just the ones that are easy to get along with. Let your gentleness be evident to all. In my experience, a gentle person is a kind person. A kind person is a calming presence. An unkind person, on the other hand, you know, they tend to raise anxiety in those around them. You know, have you ever noticed you can you can walk on eggshells sometimes with people who who struggle to be gentle? Everyone around them can, can get anxious and stressed. And may I add, the unkind person, they're sometimes feeling that anxiousness and stress themselves. That's kind of where it comes from sometimes. 
And if you're a Christian, you are commanded, you are expected to be gentle. In fact, Paul says it had better be evident to all others in your life. Everyone around you should be able to say that person is gentle and kind. And if you're unsure of gentleness and kindness is evident in you, like the, like the Bible says today, God's word, here's a challenge for you. Ask a few people to be honest with you this week. See, see how that goes. <laughs> They'll be gentle and kind, hopefully, but you know, actually, sometimes we just need to hear. Well, there's times that I don't feel that. And don't be offended. It's time for us to take stock and think about it. It's a behavior, non-gentleness that is, it's a behavior that aligns with the customs of the world. The real beauty of gentleness is that it turns our focus off us and it turns it onto others. You know, it helps us to love others as, as we would love ourselves. You know, what, what, exactly what Jesus said we should be doing. And it alleviates anxiety with those around us. And significantly, I actually think it, it alleviates anxiety in me. When I, when I practice gentleness and kindness my own anxiety actually reduces my own stress. Whereas if I'm not, it just builds up all around me, including in me. So let's renovate anxiety in us and those around us by practicing gentleness and kindness this week. Paul says it. Number three is we renovate with prayer. And I know you knew I was coming to this one. It's in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So, you know, you look at that verse, you say, well, which, which situations am I supposed to be praying about? Well, it's clear. It's, it's um, everything. It's anything and everything. And how amazing is it, by the way, that the God of the universe actually said, writes in his word, oh, yeah, could you just please petition me with your problems? And make sure you tell me all about them. Please, just tell me. You know, that's, that's our God. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? He wants you to talk to him about your worries and anxieties and to take those concerns you have to him. And in fact, Peter says in First Peter, cast all your anxiety on him. Because <sighs> he cares for you. Not only does he want to bring you to bring him your request. He also wants you to offload your worry and your anxiety. It's like, here, God, on him. You cast them. In prayer, there's a surrender of our cares to him. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. And he says, do that because he cares for you. And I wonder if we do. It's another reason why we, we, we have prayer cards, we have prayer teams, we have Wednesday night prayer here. It helps me and it will help you with your anxiety and your worry and your stress because through prayer we can find peace. Number four, we renovate through gratitude. Still in verse six, there was that key word in there that said thanks with thanksgiving. And gratitude has the amazing power to eradicate worry and forces us to see all the blessings that we already have. Because we forget, don't we? We take them all for granted. We forget what God has given us. Remember, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he encouraged us to stop worrying so much about tomorrow. He said, you've got enough to worry about today. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Instead, look what I have already given you. 
Look what I've already done for you. Paul says further down from today's passage in verse 11, I, I won't read everything, it's just, he, he does say though, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Notice he said learnt, because it's a renewing of the mind. We have to learn how to be content. Pastor Steve helped us with that a few weeks back. And then he goes on to say that whatever circumstances he faces, and we know Paul faced a lot of circumstances, don't we? Whatever he faces, he knows he can face all the difficult circumstances through Christ. And then he says, because he strengthens me. When we focus on being grateful for what is around us and what God has blessed us with, we change our tendency away from worry towards gratitude. It replaces it in many ways. A good practice is to take a notebook and a pen and just start writing down all the things you're thankful for in your life. You know, I've done this, I, I do this every now and again. You get to like number seven or eight and you think that's all I've got. But if you stop and wait, I promise you, you will fill the page. You just keep going and you be grateful. Renovate towards peace by being grateful. And the last one is to renovate by remembering. Now, um, verse five had a, a four-word sentence in the NIV. It said, the Lord is near. And the NLT, NLT took the... The original manuscripts looked at the Greek and they, they came out with, remember that Christ will return. I think that remembering, to both of these are, are in my point, by the way, I think that remembering is an important discipline to get us out of worry and into peace. You know, here we go. Always remember, the Lord is near. It's the last thing Jesus said before he ascended. Always remember that Christ will return. Always remember the cross, that side. Always remember the cross. Anxiety seems to cause us to forget, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed that? You just get a little forgetful when you get anxious. And so it's important that we remember the cross. That's why Jesus said regularly, take communion. Because he knew we would forget. And maybe we would have if he hadn't have told us all the way back 2,000 years ago that that's one of the central parts of your gathering. Is the Last Supper, communion, the Eucharist, whatever it's called. Always remember what he did. And we remember that Christ is near when we remember the cross, when we remember that Christ is coming again, we find peace from our worries. It's another reason why, again, it's another reason why we gather each week. You know, it's a regular thing we do here. If I wasn't here every Sunday, maybe my anxiety would be through the roof. I don't know. But that's why we're here. One of the reasons we're here. You know, as always, Jesus is our example. When I look at the way Jesus faced those few days leading up to his death, can you imagine the worry and the anxiety if that was you? You knew what was going to happen. You knew that it wasn't going to be quick and easy. How, how do you face that? Well, look at the parallels between Paul's teaching and what Jesus did. Firstly, Jesus, he, he broke bread and he, and he gave thanks. There was gratitude, wasn't there? The second thing is he washed the disciples' feet. That was kindness and gentleness. Remember, we're, what, we're in with like 24 hours for everything that's about to go down. 
Just before he's arrested, he prays. He prays to God about his situation with such fervor. The Bible says his sweat was like drops of blood. Imagine that prayer. Imagine a prayer meeting that was like that. He sang a hymn after that last supper with his disciples. You know, he worshipped. Even though he knew what was about to happen, he worshipped. So what will you do to renovate your mind this week and allow this peace to take hold? Worship, church. Worship your God. Show kindness and gentleness. You know, make a commitment this week. Until we meet again next Sunday, I will only show kindness and gentleness. gentleness. Uh, what would Paul say to all people? Can we do it? That's a big challenge. Seven days. Worship God. Show kindness. Pray. How's your prayer life going? Feeling worried and stressed and anxious? How's your prayer life going? I want to ask you that question because they're connected. Are you praying just alone in your closet and then maybe with someone else or maybe here in the church on a Wednesday night or or with the prayer team on a Sunday morning? Are you praying? Show gratitude. How can you thank God for everything he has done in your life? How can you thank others around you? Show gratitude. And remember. Remember what Christ has done and what he has promised to do. Because, and here is a promise, there is a peace to be had that transcends natural human understanding. And the promise is it will guard your heart and it will guard your mind. And that's my prayer for us today as we close. I want to invite you to stand with me. We have a little bit of time, so we're just going to dwell for a second. The team can come forward.